Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is a beautiful morning. I think I say that every weekend, but yes, the sun is out. There's a crispness to the early morning, which I think rejuvenates everything that's out there. And I have to say that uh, my container that shared uh, a lot of food with my rabbit in the backyard had a little bit of a different song to it today. Because yes, my early walkabout, there's the sound of the cricket. And I think when I actually got to work this morning, I think he actually... Uh, hopped on my truck or something and came with me because in my office I have the soft sound of a little cricket. Yes, you can tell autumn is in the air when the voices of the crickets start to happen. So the poem changed this morning to an August cricket. When August days are hot and long and the August hills are hazy and clouds are slow and winds also, the brooks are low and lazy. When beats the fierce midsummer sun upon the drying grasses, a modest minstrel sings his song. To any soul that passes, a modest yet insistent bard, who while the landscape slumbers and nature seems herself asleep, pours out his soul in numbers. His song is in his tongue unknown, yet methinks, oh, hear it, Drink in its healing melody, renewed in fame and spirit. His life is brief, as is the leaf, to summer branches clinging, and yet no thought of death or grief he mentions in his singing, no epic strain in his to sing, no tale of loss or gory. He has no borrowed heroines, his heroes are not so glory. He is no scholar, all he knows was taught by his condition. He never studied synthesis, nor simple composition. He lays all his rustic themes of summer joys and treasure, yet scarce could Homer's masterpiece afford a keener pleasure. And August is the month where we start to think, yeah, we've always been in our gardens, we're enjoying it, we're working it, we're taking in the beauty of it. But August is a symbol that we've already started thinking about fall. I know I don't want to say that word, but it is there because we know that once we hear the crickets chirping, that there is a, a transition and the transition is coming. I think, uh, you know what? I love the fall. I love the Christmas of the air. It just brings a rejuvenation back to the gardens where we can see that in July, where we had a lot of bit of excess of heat that's on there. Sure, the plants, they kind of do this little lockdown. We have extra care of watering. But in August, there's that resurged energy. And it's sort of the, I, I call it the call to action. So the call to action is doing your trimming and your deadheading to give the life back to these plants. And annuals, if you look at it, Historically, I think we were, um, as a child, uh, good morning, mom, we would be cleaning things up and by Halloween, everything's gone. The flowers are gone. Everything's put away. But if you look at sort of the history over the last few years, 
some of our plants are looking really good in October and we still maintain and keep a couple of those gorgeous looking ones because we're gardeners. We do not want to get rid of them. We see that they still have that beauty to them. So if we do our deadheading and light trimming back on some, especially petunias, and some of those hanging baskets in the containers that have long trailing plants. I'm not saying give it a bowl cut where you just put it on and trim it around to the top of the pot, but if you pinch back on your branches, it causes those further leaf nodes further back on the branching to flush out. And in some instances, you're going to look at your pots today, I know you're all going to go assess them and go, what do I need to do? If on some of your pots you see that they're flattening out and they're sort of balding in the center and they're long and tendril and most of the growth is on the outside edges, this is the time. It's saying, hey, help me. Give me that little bit of extra care. Trim up everything a little bit. Make me look neater and it will reward you as well. Now, this is also the call to action where you are doing your trimming, pinch back on certain things and this is the perfect time because it's a little gentle reminder that if you have that special event uh, late September or early October, this is going to make your flowers look so good for that event. If you have a backyard wedding or event that you want to have that extra little pop happening, this will be well rewarded. Now, in the same aspect of that, the fertilizer that you maybe have used in your soils, because a lot of the uh, grower mixes have a mainstay of a fertilizer that's put in that mix that gives you that first boost. Now that has been sort of being used up through the season. So if you are doing a liquid feed or a lip- liquid application in your fer- um, your plants, like a lot of us know uh, high blooming is 15, 30, 15 as a a liquid feed that's absorbed so fast into the plants it's constantly it's like giving us a nice thirst uh, requenching water after running a mile that's going to be drawn up quicker but the other little hints that we do uh, to keep our blooms and the plants looking really really good is by putting in the application of a slow release fertilizer that will take us from now to the next couple months so if you're looking at a slow release fertilizer in a granular form there's a, a look for something that is like a 15, 10, 13, or if you're looking, if you want to share something for the annuals and the perennials in the garden, a 14, 14, 16 is beneficial. It gives you that little bit of boost. And if I was going to equate it into uh, helping my kids as they grew, I always tried to give them their vegetables, but I know that if they didn't get a lot of vegetables, I always gave them a little vitamin. And I always think of the, the slow-release fertilizer as a little bit of a vitamin because if I don't get all those vegetables in, when it does rain or if they can slip that in there, the slow-release acts that when it does rain or when you're watering and you haven't had time to hook up the hose to do a liquid fertilizer feed in a liquid form, that is in there as a constant feed for your plants. You will see, you will be amazed because the number one thing, and I think you probably heard me say it earlier in the spring, is some people will come back and say, how come my flowers have gotten smaller over the season? Well, it's the feed that makes the blossoms big. 
So a little bit of deadheading. You're all going to assess after the show. We're going to all go look at our containers, see what needs to be done. It is a gardening weekend. Yes, gardeners love to be able to just do a walkabout, see what needs to be done. Do you have a garden journal or a garden diary? This is one thing I know when we're talking on the show, I keep all these little notes of what I'd like to talk about, what we never get to talk about because the show gets busier, goes one different direction. But the gardeners, it's really kind of cool to be able to keep a diary for not only as to what you did and when you did it, but how things perform and what you did to help it perform well. And also the other reason for the diary is, A, if you planted something one year in one location and you forgot that you put a perennial there and in the spring you go, mm, yeah, I don't know if it, if, it doesn't, if it comes up too late, you may plant something on top of it. So it's always nice to be able to shift and put things in. And what a gift to yourself to see the history of what you've done over the years. We're going to go right to lines. Gladys is waiting. Good morning, Gladys. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? And where are you calling from this morning? I'm calling from Plumas, Manitoba. Well, hello, Plumas, Manitoba. (laughs) You don't often get a call from there? Uh, You know what? I think we have a while ago. I would have to go through my books to see what's in there. I think my neighbor called you about something. I'm not sure about that. But my question is, uh, I was given uh, some cabbage plants, and I planted them even though it was late, and they are beautiful. But they have company. Oh, they have those little white moths, and they're uh, breakfasting on them. What can I treat them with? Okay, um, if you want to, you can do. If you're wanting to treat them on that, uh, you can do a little casing of uh, right away. Do some endol that's on there as a as a preventative measure that's in there. You can also use diatomaceous earth on the early forms, but I would probably get. Um, I know um, my my husband's baba used to put um, netting around them. So as they start to develop, she would make little nets and casings around them. So you could still see the growth. You could still get the moisture through there. But it would be a preventative measure for um, the butterflies for um, laying their larvae on there. Because it's the, it's the little larvae that's probably eating away at your cabbage. Someone suggested nylon stockings. Yes, that's a nylon. That's a netting. Yeah. So you can use that because as it grows, they will expand. Right. Someone, I don't know where I heard this from, but someone suggested feeding them coffee. So yesterday I mixed up some coffee with flour and I thought, well, if they eat some of that, they'll get stuffed. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of it before, but I thought it's worth a try. Well, you know what? It's always worth a try. And I know, uh, yeah, you know what? With flour, I have bread and I get stuffed too. So <laughs> <laughs> I would probably agree on that because flour, is, it's, it, it binds Stand. them up, you know, and I don't know if uh, bugs themselves can digest that. But uh, you know what? Let us know how it works. But definitely the stockings uh, is, is a portion of it. You're making me chuckle because I remember, uh, chopping up my, my mom used to be a nurse and she always had the pantyhose and I always, uh, snuck a few pantyhose that had the holes in. They made the best plant twine for tying things up because they had the elasticity that was in there, right? But I, how many people wear those things nowadays? That is so true. That is so true. I don't think there's too many people that do. 
Well, I don't think so, and I I know that over the years, you know, they used to be uh, quite inexpensive, and now they're a little bit more expensive. So I'd advise not buying brand new ones to chop up, but uh, you know, there. You just remind me, I have a few in the I drawer. I should that, go to Value Village. Uh, maybe I don't know if they would have them there, but uh, uh, you know, if there was people that have excess ones, don't put it in the landfill. Turn them into. Uh, plant ties because they are perfect. <laughs> they won't deteriorate, I don't think. Uh, well, eventually they will break down, but it will take a long amount of uh, years I, to do that. Well, I feel really bad because they were they did so well, and this garden lady gave them to me because it's late. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll give it a try, and they were so beautiful. But oh, they have holes in the leaves. I have found some worms. I've taken care of them, but... Yeah. Well, you know, too, and you know what? Someone, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we have one, someone just mentioned to me that uh, Walmart has cheap pantyhose. So there you go. <laughs> well, there you yes. I guess I could try that. I have 12 plants, so I'd have to buy a few. Well, you can chop them up. Like, you don't need the full length. Because, yeah, but you can chop up the length of them and uh, tie up both ends, right? Right. Put them in and tie it up on both ends. Okay? Okay. Let we'll us know how it works. We'll okay. see how that works. <laughs> okay. Thank you for Thank calling, you very Gladys. much. Thank you Bye. very much. Bye-bye. See, gardening always gives you a little bit of chuckle because we come up with a remedy and a solution. All right. We're going to go right to lines. Gerald is waiting. Good morning, Gerald. Gerald? Good morning. Yes, good morning. Good morning. How are you? And I'm going to ask where are you calling from this morning? I, I'm calling from Steinbeck. Well, good morning out to everyone in Steinbeck. Well, thank you. You're not out this way, eh? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh. I'm a little oh. west from you guys, but I know where you are. I have a, um, uh, I have a friend that's out there that has uh, oh, Oak Ridge Garden Centers out that way. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, they're yeah. wonderful. They have some beautiful plants out there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. So how can we help I, you I, today? I, I do have a question for you. Uh, with uh, I have three sides of my backyard have uh, these 20 or 22, 24-foot uh, cedars, these tall, narrow cedars. Okay. And uh, on the back side, uh, I have three of them now, That uh, three of those cedars that were a little bit smaller. They seem to be a little bit smaller in that area. And they have uh, uh, turned very brown. And I took out the small one last year, like last fall, that, that was there, and I just thought, oh, there's one dead one here for maybe it had gotten too much drought or whatever. I didn't know. But then it had spread. Whatever it is has gone to the two trees right beside it. So now it's kind of a total of three trees. And they've just turned very, very brown, and they've just done it gradually over time. And it seems like maybe even the one on each side of these two now uh, are maybe started to get a little bit of brown as well. And I'm just wondering what that might, you know, what that might be. Okay. So um, they look like they're just kind of going from one branch to the other. Look for, uh, in some cases, is you may find uh, they're sometimes prone to spider mites that are on there, especially if they're in a sort of a drier area that's in there. They're also prone to a rust disease that could be on that too as well. Um, and there's, you know, so... If you can get a sampling of the bark that's on it, it would be interesting oh. to see what 
the bark looks like with some of the branching. So um, if you're close to Steinbeck, I'm, I'm sure Erna uh, can maybe look at it there. I know that uh, we can also look at it, but if you're closer there, take it to the, your local garden center and have them take a look at the stemming and actually the foliage that's on it. We see a lot oh. of rusting. Um, rusting happens also in areas where if it's on a tree line where it doesn't have a, enough moisture in the ground if it's a younger one. Uh, so did it start right away in the spring and just slowly get more rusty, or did it happen when it was green during the summer and then turn rust? Well, you know, they, I, I had the one little littlest tree. It was probably 12 feet tall or so that, yeah. that turned last year and just went totally dry. And then it just seemed to gradually impact the two trees on each side of it, which are probably 16 or 18 feet tall. You know, they're, they're, they're it's a little bit smaller in there. And, uh, then now they seem to be impacting the trees that are, you know, right beside these two 16 or so foot trees as well. And it's just a gradual, like, like it just seems to be like suddenly one branch of uh, that cedar is going to all turn brown. And then yeah. a little bit later, then another branch will just start to totally turn brown. Okay. And uh, I don't know, you I can... gave it more water, but I didn't. Okay, try and uh, eight. I. Um, I, this happened to me a few years ago too, and we have seen it in different locations where it's just mostly on one stemming. So if it is spider mite, oh. and some people will go, "Oh, I've got spiders." If it looks like a true spider web with the, you know, like Halloween with the true designed webbing that's on it, that could right. be a real arachnoid spider. Well, spider mites themselves, the webbing, it's very, very fine. It almost looks like a dusting of webbing that's on it and okay. here's something that you can do too if you take a branch from one that is looks like it's newly affected what I'd like uh-huh. you to do is uh, grab a snippet of that take it to uh, don't take it in the house if you have other stuff but maybe to the garage uh, put it okay. over a piece of white paper like if you have a full scat piece of white paper right. give Give that branching a little bit of a tap over the top of your hand like you're giving your hand a little bit of a slap with the branching. And then whatever you've kind of knocked off is going to be onto that white paper. Right. Take a close look. Now, if you have a... um, Me, I might get on my magnifying glass, but in some cases, the spider mites, you may see some of them crawling. Some of them are red. Some of them are a different color. So oh. if you if you see them crawling, that is a spider mite bug that is sucking the juices that causes uh, them to go from healthy to brown. And the rationale is if they've sucked it to, uh, all the juices out of it that it's no longer viable, they're going to slowly start going to a different location. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Um, so they the will other, spread. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do because they their food source is... Yeah. Um, not there anymore so they need a new food source so they're going to go to where there's more healthy uh, plants that they can you know because their viability is sucking on the the juices and the value of that plant um okay. another like another i could l- not see that there was actually a, a spider webs of any kind on it it didn't seem to show any external you know yeah but but, but the, maybe these are very tiny the webbing on spider mites is very thin it's not like you're just like okay i'm looking up in my in my room right here where i'm taping and i have a spi- <laughs> i have a 
desk oh. in my office, there's a spider web in the corner, and I could definitely tell that it's got the frame <laughs> of a, a spider, like a spider web. That's the, okay. the, the spider mites. It looks like a fine dusting. Sometimes it's uh, the other hint. Okay, you're reminding me. There's so much information to uh, On the yeah. underside of the leaves, like of the branches, mm-hmm. flip it over mm-hmm. because if you see that there's a heavier or a casting on the undersides and it looks like mo- okay. very finely modeled, most spider mites will be on the underside of a leaf because okay. there's. Yeah, you know what? They're smart. Because if it rains, they're going to get yeah. washed off, right? Okay. okay. Now, so, will this tree come back at all from, from that, or won't, won't they come back? Well, the first thing, if you find that that's on there, and even if you don't find it, uh, take your garden. Is it accessible to get a garden hose out there? Uh, yeah, it's just around the edge of my yard, so I can certainly. And I do have underground sprinkling that keeps it watered all the time. Okay. But it's, um, uh, I, I guess I'll just gra- grab a hose. You want me to just go and wash some off? I want you to wash it off. So And give it a nice, okay. like, put it on a stream where you're not just washing the foliage from the top and letting it gently wash it. Okay. Invert your hose mm-hmm. so it blasts into the foliage and upwards. Because okay. spider mites like areas that is low air movement. And if it's nice oh. and dense and protected in there, that's the perfect spot. I'm sheltered, I'm cozy, nothing's going to disturb me, and I'm just going to have a feast. So, right, right. Just have for parasites. Yeah. So let's make measures that take, that's the, that's the best first action that you can do. But I would still uh, take a snippet to uh, someone that can maybe help you assess with it if there's any scale that's happening on any of the branches because there could be secondary okay. or other measures that it could be happening, okay? Yeah, I, I, like I'd ask them if they had an arborist or somebody who could come out and take a look, but they don't really have anybody, I guess, here in Steinbeck that I'm, you know, been made aware of. And yeah, so I was thinking yeah. maybe I needed to take, take the, you know, a branch of it in somewhere to, like, to Winnipeg or to your nurseries there in Winnipeg or something. But. Yeah, we, we can assess it, or if there's a garden center, like I said, if you're close to Oak Ridge, I'm, if, uh, if Ern is mm-hmm. listening, maybe uh, they can do that. Set. But if you have a piece of the older branching too, um, right. you know, it's, it's brown. It's not going to come back if it's severely brown because on okay. the stemming, the stemming should be nice and clear too, but sometimes you see scale, reminiscence of scale that could be affecting on the branching of it as well, Okay. So maybe take a good sized branch in, even like a, a foot long cut or something, or yeah, a couple yeah, feet. Or? Yeah, if you have not not two feet, about a foot of it. But um, okay. do a favor, make sure it's in a clear bag that's been sealed. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you I don't do want that. to transfer so, the bugs. That sounds good idea. Thanks a lot. Right. I really appreciate your help on that. Okay, you're welcome, and uh, hopefully we can get this uh, settled out for you. And if you yeah, have I really any. Do. If you um, if you have any end all or bug outs and that kind of stuff, do a water spray and then you can use a, a application early in the morning on that too as well. But let's first assess it to see if it's that spider mite, okay? Yeah, I, like I thought originally it was just because we had that severe drought last summer, you know, and yet I was sprinkling it or you know underground spraying all the time, and so I it didn't seem right that it was just dried out. And, yeah. of course, it never came back. So then it was like, okay, now I'm, we got trouble. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? There could be the other point of it, too, is um, I don't, the environmentally, I don't, or logistically is what I should say, is I don't know, yeah. I don't see where they're planted. Um, cedars 
because you say they're eight to ten feet tall, uh, and when were they recently plant? When were they planted? Were they planted tall? Well, or did- these, uh, you know, they were all planted at the same time, but these were smaller, more stunted. I, I noticed. Like I just bought the place a year ago, yeah. and uh, uh, all of them are like twenty, twenty plus feet tall, all the way around the three sides of the yard. But right at the very back, in the center of the the back there is where these little bit shorter ones were, and they just had a little bit of a dip, you know, in the line. And this one, smallest one was, I'd say, 10, 12 feet tall, maybe at the most. And then the other other two next to it now are probably about 16-ish, I would say. And uh, that's where it seems where they've been hit. And all the 20-foot tall and and bigger ones, they're all doing really quite well, they look like. Okay. All right. So... I'm going to throw a different scenario at you because okay. if these if these were planted in a tree line that were um, maybe these were repairs, like if you bought the property and everything else is 20 feet and these ones are smaller, there could yeah. be there could they could have been uh, planted later as a replacement for something that has currently happened there before, and I would be interested to sort of have you go and take a look at which way your line of water goes is it in a lower lying area or you know uh with your flow of drainage if that plays right. a factor okay because cedars when they're planted don't like to be buried too low they like to be a little bit on the higher side though they love moisture they do not yeah. like to be in standing in wet conditions repeatedly okay okay oh, so because i thought too that they were very uh shallow root kind of plants and that they needed a fair amount of watering, especially in dry yeah. uh, seasons, you know. Well, they they are shallow rooted. They are shallow rooted. But again, they don't like to be, uh, they like to be moist, but not in in constant soggy areas. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I will check. I mean, they're fairly, it, it looks like they're, they're fairly planted fairly level. My whole yard is reasonably level. Okay, good. Um, there aren't a lot of hummocks or anything, but yeah, I, I can see a little bit if there's maybe a low spot right there. Yeah, check and see because a if it's a farm line that everything is twenty feet and these ones are a little bit stunted, my yeah. mind now goes that there's something maybe playing in that area that is causing that effect for the either of them to be stunted or maybe they were infilled at a later date because something else was there before, previous. Ah, okay? that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Oh. That would be very good. I appreciate that. Otherwise, I was thinking of maybe just uh, removing those trees and then seeing if I could plant, uh, you know, they have these uh, uh, crab trees that, that are very uh, narrow and tall. Uh, yep. Kind of ornamental crabs. I don't know what the name is right off, but they're beautiful. I have one up front, and I thought, oh, that's just gorgeous. I should just plant a hedge of those instead. <laughs> See, we're already planning something else and changing. It's awesome. There's always a <laughs> yeah. gardener's a gardener's brain is always thinking about the possibility of what to do next. <laughs> That's right, great. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you. I do really appreciate your help, and uh, I'll go and take a look at that and see if maybe, maybe we have a bug issue first, but uh, yeah. if not, then, then uh, look for the other soil issues. Okay, wonderful. Okay, all right. Thank, thank you. you for calling in. Okay, have a great day. Yeah, you too, Gerald. Bye-bye. Great conversation, and this is a classic scenario where we, if you, there's always the other side of the story to get the whole thing, because there are so many different things in this scenario that could cause this, but for sure, we don't want it spreading, Gerald, so let's start with that, 
and then we'll go to the next sort of regime of what to do. We're having some great conversation about everything. And it kind of reminds me because it was sort of uh, one of the little things I love to give you sort of preempted tips of what you should be looking for in the gardening because if the season changes or what we're doing, there's so much to do. Um, We have a lot of tropical plants. We, I, I say we because we take a lot of our tropical plants from indoors and put them outdoors on our patios or decks or in our three season rooms. Now, believe it or not, uh, we are starting to uh, look at these plants at this time to see and assess. And thanks, Gerald, for bringing up the, um, the, the preempt to spider mites because this is one plant that, uh, or one bug that is prone to coming back indoors with plants that have been outdoors. So this is the action now too, is start looking. So when you're doing your deadheading and trimming to make everything lush, Assess your containers because, A, if you have a collection of plants in one container and one plant is not doing well, that's where I like to get it sort of up and close and start assessing to say, aha, why are you not doing so well? Because in most cases, you are not going to get the bug all over the entire container. It's going to start with one plant and then it will start spreading. So if you can assess that one plant, and in uh, annual planters, it's quite easy to remedy because if it's gotten to the stage where the plant's just not looking good, it's an opportunity. I, I always think of it as an opportunity to remove that so that I still have the enjoyment of the entire container. And it may be opportunity where you might want to say, hey, this one little spot would blend perfectly with maybe putting something that has a little bit more of a fall characteristic to it so it extends the season of my container so take a look at your tropical plants now and your container plants and take a look for bugs and diseases because it's easy to treat it now so that you have another two months of enjoyment on those and also too if you're assessing and looking at your tropical plants and I'm talking your oleanders gardenias hibiscus or even maybe some of those gorgeous palm trees that are dressing out your patio. We want to take a look at them now. And remember too, it's like, I can see Gerald's getting ready to take his hose out and water off his cedars. We do that well with our tropical plants before they come indoors. Give them a nice wash off. And if in some cases, if you see that there are starting uh, signs of spider mites or other bugs like aphids, uh, you can take action to treat those before they're coming in, all right? And it, it'll help too because you want to break that cycle of, of of them laying eggs on the plants that will then mature into a other adult, okay? Because they will be rampant on you for it. Now, the other shout out I want you to do is, believe it or not, yes, fall, It's it's not a bad word. Fall gives us opportunity, a beauty. Just imagine the transition of colors and warmth that we get from that. And the warmth is uh, in the color tones, not in the warmth of heat. Is We are uh, generally, if we're starting to fertilize, we're putting in, we talked about the slow-release fertilizers for our annuals and our perennials, but we are almost hitting that window where if you were to do your last fertilization on your, some of your trees and shrubs, you're just at the point where where we off, 
almost have to stop because generally it's kind of the rule of thumb that between six and eight weeks before we expect to get our frost is when we want to stop doing aggressive fertilizing on our trees and shrubs because believe it or not uh i don't know if you noticed it with the dip of the cooler temperatures the other day it just felt like there was yeah fall's coming hey i'm a sweater girl i love the layering so i just love the fall color that's in there but it's happening dormancy patterns are starting all right so we're going to go right to the lines back again gertrude has been waiting hi gertrude i can you hear me now yes i can hear you now how are you Good. Oh, not bad. Uh, I'd like to know what time of year, or is there any particular time for planting uh, in a planter? Uh, you're wanting, what are you wanting to plant, or anything in a planter? Yeah. Like, I'm, uh, I'm wanting to plant uh, cherry tomatoes in a planter. Yeah, well, you're getting to the point where if um, you would have to, uh, cherry tomatoes are getting a little late because if you're just starting by a young plant, unless you have lighting conditions that you can take it indoors, it's probably getting a little bit late. Unless yeah, like yeah. Uh, I was trying to plant indoors in a planter. Yeah, well, indoors if you if you can extend and if you have the proper growing conditions for bringing some things indoors. Uh, then that will give you that extension of season that you can bring it in. But with tomatoes, though, you really need high light for those. So it might be a little tricky. Okay? Ah. Uh, yeah. Um, but, for anything in a planter, it has to be planted in the spring, I guess. Well, Okay, the, there's there's always a different rule, though, because some people, uh, like tomatoes are a little bit more, I find, are a little bit more difficult for to be homegrown indoors because they're such highlight areas. That's mostly a, an item that's outdoors. But if you had oh. um, geraniums, like if you're wanting to overwinter certain plants that goes indoors, uh, they can be overwintered indoors, so you can take that from patio outdoors and bring indoors. But... Oh, yeah. If if you're wanting to, and this is one thing, Gertrude, if you wanted to do a tropical plant that's outdoors, like there are some Rex begonias that are just absolutely gorgeous in color and foliage that can be grown outdoors, but we also treat them as house plants on the inside because they can take a little bit lower lights, all right? But just remember, right, right. yeah, most of the plants that require highlight that are in an annual category or perennials, um, annuals will do okay indoors, but perennials do not do well wintered mm. indoors, right? Unless it's a zone I, seven or eight perennial. <laughs> I see. Okay. okay. All I'll right. Wait till, I'll wait till next. Yeah. Or or if or if you're close to a garden center and you can, and you can walk about and see some of the beautiful house plants that are there, maybe that that could be your uh, plant for the season indoors. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess uh, I could go to Solomon's uh, uh, when I'm in there. All right. Okay. Okay. Thank, thank you for calling. Yeah. Uh, you're welcome. Okay. Bye. 
It's going to be a beautiful, and I have to say that when you're, um, start thinking, there's a little bit of a, a, um, a, another call to action, start thinking because soon, and I'm, my fingers are just kind of twingling here because the bulbs are coming in. Yes, bulbs and tulips and alliums. We had so many requests this summer for people coming in and said, I saw this plant that was on a stem stalk that had this beautiful six-inch orb of purple on the top. Those are alliums, garden allium bulbs. So soon, mark it down on your calendar. If it's a spur that you say, hey, I saw those too, I like them. The bulbs are going to be coming in soon. All right, so there's a little bit of work yet to be done in the gardens. Just think about it. Mark it down in your diary as to what you've done and the wish list ahead. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a little bit of a surprise thing that's happening. Have you gifted a neighbor with a zucchini? Because zucchinis, when they grow, you get lots. We'll be back again next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.